Welcome to another amazing episode of Faffing with Friends. Today, we're going to talk about something that's been uh, stewing for a long time, because two of us had watched this show, but Joe had not. So we've given him about, what is it, Avilo, two years to catch up? <laughs> I mean, since and episode today, three. Since episode three. Yes, <laughs> since then. So today we are finally ready to talk about The Boys. Woo! Whoever hasn't seen The Boys, you've missed out. Go watch it. You're a dickhead. I hate you. We are not friends and never will be. Uh, it's a show that satirizes the current trend of superheroes and does a very, very, very good job at it. It is... Obviously, it came out before Invincible, which we've also discussed on the show, and it was... I feel the first piece of media that's gone so hard for satirizing the whole uh, trend right now, the obsession with superheroes. What do you guys think? I'm going to let Joe go ahead because I'm actually very curious. I have a long I have a long tirade to go into the boys, but Joe's the first time viewer. He's seen it just the first time. So already, I'm really curious about his thoughts and his opinions. So uh, by all means, go for it. Okay, well, thank you. Well, I'll start off by slightly disappointing you by not providing entirely my point of view, because I'm going to say that I completely agree with Lawrence. I think he uh, nailed it on the head there. When I first started watching the show, I thought, wow, this is a great criticism of Hollywood culture. You know, the whole, it's, the whole show, right, starts off with, first of all, the main character, Dennis Quaid Jr. He looked very familiar to me. I didn't know what his name was to begin with because it was the start of the show. So I thought, Who, what does he look like? And I looked it up and obviously he's Dennis Quaid's son and with Meg Ryan. So um, he's Dennis Quaid Jr. Quaid Jr. or Huey. So his girlfriend is completely minced right in front of our eyes. <laughs> Something that I've never seen before on TV, at least not to that graphic extent. Yeah, you could say she was hit by a train. <laughs> Literally hit a by a train. train. That's no, very good. Okay, <laughs> That's very good. So she gets hit by a train on his way back from either to, is it to or from his girlfriend's place. And that's how the show has started, right? And then quickly you, you jump forward to uh, my favorite character besides Quay Jr., who is, um, fuck, what's her name again? <laughs> Starlight. My favorite Starlight. character. Fuck, what's her name? God damn. <laughs> I'm going to cut that out. So my favorite character, Starlight. We cut to her and then she's immediately sexually harassed by the deep. Oh my so God. For ah, me yes. immediately, the Deep, a character that we have much to say about. <laughs> yes. Oh so for me immediately, that was like, oh, this is just basically Hollywood. This is how you get started in Hollywood, sadly. Oh, it's been the unfortunate and very sad story of so many, you know, women who have been victim of all these people like Harvey Weinstein. And then slowly, as you, as the show goes on, Lawrence is right. It's a critique of the modern superheroes like the Avengers, uh, the DC superhero Justice League. And even the more it goes on, the more you see what's wrong with that culture and how we glamorize, glorify, and hero worship literally these heroes. So for me, what it came down to was, okay, Hugh is great, but this is somewhat the story of Hugh's corruption. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, it's the story of Starlight's redemption, but it's also the story of Maeve's redemption and a few other people, including um, Billy Butcher. Now, Billy Butcher, for, the, or for all the wrong reasons, is my favorite character. Because he's that sort of nihilistic, morally grey character who will do the things you think should be done to deliver justice, but you know, deep down in your heart, is morally wrong to do. And he's played by Carl Urban, which is just 
the cherry on top. It is absolutely brilliant. Like, my favorite scene from season two was Denethor from Mother of the Rings, Faramir's dad, having a scene with Carl Urban. Hell yeah. How could you beat that? You can't make this up. So that's me in a nutshell. Before I unwrap it even more, I'll pass it back to Evilo and Lawrence, and I'll come back in a bit with more. See, I think that you touched a very important topic, the idea of redemption, and how... Yeah, all these characters go through a significant metamorphosis, and some of them end up being way more clean or way more dirty than they started. Apart from just two characters, who in my mind are absolutely irredeemable, and they're obviously on both sides of the spectrum, they're the main driving antagonistic and protagonistic forces. Again, Billy Butcher and Homelander. I think that Mm. they make the show... Their chemistry makes the show. Every single encounter between them at the start of, uh, I mean, at the end of season one with uh, Homelander's uh, Oedipus complex mummy slash boss, whatever you want to call her. And then at the end of season two with uh, Stormfront and Ryan, I think every single interaction those two have on screen is absolute gold. And I think that deep down, they're so morally corrupted that they can't be redeemed. And I think that the show absolutely hinges on that because yeah, you see, you see joke people like the deep who like have zero, <laughs> has zero like, uh, moral etiquette and like are just absolutely sexual abuse. And then he goes through like some weird church Scientology thing. And then you have Starlight who like sheds away from like her good girl persona to like save the ones she loves. But Butcher and Homelander are just completely stuck in this loop of hatred and destruction. Not even towards one another. I mean, Butcher hates Homelander way more than Homelander hates Butcher. But those two characters are the exact same character, in my opinion. And they're always just, they're just bound to fight forever. They're the, 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 you know, they're the infinite conflict in the show. And I'm going to finish off by saying that, you know, Starlight says that in in season two. She says, oh yeah, I used to know someone exactly like you, but he used to wear a flag for a cape. She says that to Billy Butcher because he's so against the idea of like a normal and good soup. To him, all soups are evil. Just that's it. Because of Homelander, all soups are evil. And for Homelander, all humans are beneath him. So ideologically, they're very similar. And I just love watching them clash. Obviously with the personal elements mixed in, but you know. On my opinion, they make the entire show. So I do agree with you that my favorite two characters are obviously Billy and Homelander. And Homelander especially because he's one of my favorite portrayals of a villain in like a long time in television. Like it's been a while since I've seen one where I'm just like captivated by every single second he's on screen in a TV show. But uh, yeah, no, I think he's he's greatly cast and he's played by an actor who also plays... um. The main character in a show that very few people watch that I uh, really loved back when it was airing and it was called Banshee. Now anyone who saw that show knew that this actor was a great fit because he's, he's just got range. He's, he's He can be badass and terrifying when he needs to. But as Homelander, you just you see him like reach a new level with just the way he plays him. He plays Homelander in such a way where you... There are times where even with everything he's done and doing and will continue to do, you almost feel bad for him. You almost feel pity at moments. You see, Mm. you know, the flashbacks to when he was a baby in the lab with just his little uh, blankie. And that was like it. That was his (laughs) only attachment to humanity, like having this blanket that the doctor gave him. Or you see like, you know, just the actual 
broken face on him at the end of season two when he's like kind of lost every facet of the fight like he's lost ryan to billy he's uh you know his wife well quote-unquote you know butcher's wife but homelander's weird you know cheating with him having baby child thing wife (laughs) she's dead uh you know fucking stormfront's dead everyone everyone that like homelander had become even slightly attached to has either gone away or died and at the end of that season you just you see him man just this face that he makes the way the actor portrays his emotions in that moment is just it's perfect like i i legitimately felt bad for him and i could tell that you know this is the setup for him going completely overboard past this point right cuz he hadn't quite are yet are you talking about the are you talking about the masturbation scene yeah that's oh, the setup oh, for yeah, like yeah. <laughs> the trajectory of where Homelander's headed is that just yeah. I don't care See, anymore. You know what's very Fuck funny? Everyone. There's something that's very funny about that scene. They actually recorded that scene in season one, but they didn't have anywhere to put it because it, w- it didn't fit narratively. So yeah. they just saved <laughs> it until the correct moment. And I guess the end of season two was the correct moment. Oh yeah, it's and perfect. It's, it's absolutely perfect. So so funny, but also again so so destructive and one of my favorite scenes with him is also when he sees the vision of him just lasering all the protesters when i saw that oh, yeah, I no, like, he starts like having delusional like yeah. moments of just i was like crazy. i was like surely this is bait surely but i'm like is it and then you know it was such, a, it? such, a, such a good actor and such a good character man but, yeah, and I mean, he's, he plays, like, this terrifying character so well. Just like we mentioned in Invincible when we talked about that. Mm-hmm. He plays Homelander in such a way where every time he's on screen, you are just, like, everyone's in danger. There's no one safe when Homelander's, like, got the spotlight on him in this show. And you feel that by, like, even halfway through season one, you're just like, oh, Fuck, you know, every time Homelander lands or, like, crashes through a wall or just goes, you know, Homelander's here. It's yeah. like, oh, the everyone hide. The feeling of yeah. dread that accompanies him. And we did touch upon this in Invincible, but we're, we're not going to, we're obviously going to have to touch on it here. He is perhaps my favorite... Evil Superman? ...version of the evil... It's kind of like this evil superhero messianic kind of figure. Because, you know, we talked about Omni-Man and how great Omni-Man is. But with Omni-Man, it was more about the mystery. Like, why did he do this? Like, why did he do that horrifying thing we see in episode one? And then the entirety of the show kind of hinges on that. But with Homelander, when we see him zap down the plane in episode one and kill that senator and his kid, we're like, ah... See, you're just a fucked up piece of shit. You know, there's no mystery there. He's just a sadistic, yeah. power-hungry, egomaniacal bastard. And yeah, that's that's sometimes all you need to see. You know, that's all I want to see from my evil Superman. <laughs> exactly. I was. Uh, I've just finished watching Good Omens, and what really struck me was, and I, and it's it's to be expected from people like Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman, who are both great uh, writers, and I love them, and I love their work. But the character of the Antichrist in Good Omens took me aback a bit because he's a child and he is trying to grapple with his innate evil nature and he sort of somewhat quasi-defeats it in the end. But with Homelander, who's literally grown in a lab, who's literally a antichrist, right? He's he's a messianic character with literal, actual superpowers, but is pure evil. You know, there's nothing... Nobody's hiding 
what would it looks like to be an actual antichrist in the world if you look at it from a religious point of view or if you want to think about it in a heroic uh, narrative as a villain as a true villain right you get your left lex luthers and your banes and your ultrons or whatever but nothing comes quite close to homelander does it yeah that's absolutely true and you know if you want to go even more tactical i think that obviously the inspiration for this whole evil superman thing came with uh, the injustice storyline from dc where superman mm-hmm. kind of just goes off the rails after killing Lois Lane and it's just like he becomes after this, the Joker tricks yeah, the him Joker tricks him into killing Lois Lane and then he becomes this totalitarian kind of big brother oppressive you know black suit superman or whatever else you want to call him whatever else Zack Snyder tries to portray and is really really hoping to portray in the future but pro- he probably won't because Warner Brothers won't allow him to but that kind of figure I think that Homelander does it way better than even the original yeah. source material. And, you know, we've yeah, talked about why we have evil Supermans. If you want to check that out, obviously, it's, in, it's already in the Invincible video. But for me, Homelander is just... Because he also presents a tad bit of humanity. Like, if a human got the abilities that Homelander has, he would probably end up like Homelander. Like, we've said that many, many times. It's just, there's just no competition, man. There's just no competition. Hands down, my favorite. I mean, one one of the things I like about this show, when Omni-Man, you see him still go hard, right? You see him put effort. When he fights something, he fucking goes all out and just annihilates it. Mm -hmm. Homelander is so apathetic and fucking bored that half the time, action scenes involving him is him walking around lasering people with, like, Without any real effort. He's not moving quickly. He's not, like, dodging things. He's not going, like, oh. He's just, like, looking at people and they're dead. He's like, oh, look, there's one there. There's one there. Like, that entire scene where he, like, uh, comes to the aid of the military, you know, aid, quote-unquote, and just walks (laughs) through that entire, like building full of, uh, you know, terrorists, quote-unquote. To the clash and he's just, the Casper. <laughs> yeah, and he's just literally just, like, looking left and right. He's not, like, putting his hands up. He's not throwing or any punches. He's not, you know, it's just like, yeah. oh, yeah, no. It, why would I put in any effort? They can't touch me. Yeah. I'm invincible. Mm. Like... But, you know, we've talked, we've talked about the antagonist and the main driving force. We haven't touched upon... In my opinion, the most wholesome part of this otherwise very dark and nihilistic show. I mean, the boys themselves. Like, I think that all the boys present a very typical and very wholesome idea of male friendship. You know, with their clashes and their egos and, you know. Mother's Milk and Frenchie are my boys, like, for real. (laughs) I'd I'd hang out with them both. Especially Mother's Milk. If I could, like, they're fucking great. I I do agree. It's crazy because this show manages something that I don't think is common in most shows. Even with Invincible, we talk about a few characters we absolutely fucking despise. This show manages, in my opinion, to not have a single character that I'm not at least interested Mm. in. Every single character introduced in The Boys, I'm like, either entertained by them i either find them fascinating or i'm just like charmed and i want to see more of their interactions that is the case with every addition to this show it's crazy to me 100 like yeah, yeah you have you have frenchie and mother's milk the first time they get introduced and you're like yeah I, I don't have a read on you yet but by the end of season two you fucking love these two guys they're like they're such bros you just like ah and then you have you have billy's whole speech about them being the spice girls <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, yeah the Spice no, anytime <laughs> Billy goes back to the fucking Spice Girls metaphor, it's like... <laughs> it's very wholesome. Oh, it's so perfect. And obviously, 
in my opinion, Mother's Milk's probably my favorite character yes. oh, in so the good. entire show. <laughs> and uh, he just, one of her lines when he, when he first meets Butcher, he says a line that I quote to this very day to literally everyone. He's like, I'm just a motherfucker. Whereas you, <laughs> no, he was like, I'm a motherfucker with a heart. Whereas you, you're just a motherfucker. It's like, man, yeah. what, what a what a character. What I a just life. love any scene where he'd like get a call from his fucking girlfriend slash wife and he'd be like, no, babe, I'm not doing anything. I'm, I'm driving. I'm in traffic. <laughs> you just got like fucking Billy like beating someone to death. And like, no, babe, it's just noise. <laughs> um, speaking of Frenchie, I absolutely love Frenchie as well. Uh, I think oh, Frenchie's such a great flawed character. Like I think, his entire, yep, yep, his whole story with Lamplighter. Yeah, you already oh, know dude, where I'm uh, going. Uh, can we all like for a second? Because we do have to mention on the podcast, even though probably everyone knows who has seen. Like, isn't it the best that they cast Iceman from X Men yes. as the fire yep. character in yes. the boys? Yeah, ice and fire, baby. Oh, he's so great. I loved him. I wish he got more screen time, but it is hilarious. Like the way they've they've portrayed his character in the show. Like the way he goes out made me. It both made me like, what the fuck? But also like burst out laughing because it's such a fucking <laughs> lamplighter thing to do. It is. I really love that whole storyline. It's just because it's a big. It's one of the big mysteries of the show, isn't it? Like what happened between Frenchie and Mother's Milk. You know what happened with the old yeah. squad of the yeah. Boys. What happened to Mallory and her kids? Yeah. What happened such? to the yeah. previous? And you know, again, when Butcher goes to Mallory and she's like, "Oh, there's nothing for you on this road apart like from death and suffering." And you know, you want to know more. And then when, when season two rolls around, you see <laughs> that iconic meme template, which we might actually post in this video of like, "Oh God, the best!" Where like fucking Frenchie's being wheeled on the on the table, and he sees Lamplighter, and they just look at each other like, "You motherfucker!" Like, yes. Wow. And then like he pulls out his lighter, and Frenchie pulls out the gun, like half the wall yeah. gets blown off. It's just, it's what a what a. That great. was honestly both like one of the tensest, but one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen. Like the faces they make when they like notice each other, when they realize who's who's in front of them. Yeah. Oh, I just. I cracked the fuck off at that moment. And, you know, you realize that Frenchie wasn't just some kind of fuck-up who abandoned his post, but he had to make a very hard choice, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Save, no, save that's that's why he's, like, he's a flawed, tragic character, because yeah. it's... He didn't, like, fuck up. He literally just went, I can fuck up one thing or fuck up the other. I have to pick which one I'm going to fuck up. And then his friend actually ended up dying of an overdose regardless. So that's, yeah, that's yeah. even Which worse. makes it even, like, sadder yeah, that that's yeah. the choice he made. But, yeah, Lamplighter, Frenchie, and Mallory, phenomenal side characters. You know, we don't have... An, we, we can't even just focus on Butcher and Homelander, you know? They're, they're the main ones, yeah. But, you know, it's just like... The overall idea, man, like the overall supporting character, apart from the deep, I fucking hate the deep. Can't stand the deep. He can Here's go fuck thing. himself. I like, by the end of season two, love the deep as what he is, which is the butt of all jokes and the ultimate <laughs> like comic character in the show. From the moment that fucking dolphin went flying through the front fucking window, <laughs> I just literally every the fact that the deep fucks up more anytime he even tries to be a better person is hilarious to me because he literally is incapable of improvement everything the yeah. deep does is worse and causes an even shittier thing to happen to him the last time and i just find that fucking hilarious that it's it's relentless he is like the butt of the cosmic jokes of the universe he cannot have a moment it's so funny <laughs> the only thing i like about the deep is that Patton oswald voices his gills when he's high oh yeah no Patton oswald is oh his fucking oh my god that's an, why did you remind me of his fucking gills oh <laughs> I remember that scene because it's woman... okay bro he 
you gotta normalize the gills. Where the woman fingered his gills. Oh, oh, yeah, that was God. a horrible scene. That was like, um, yeah, very bad. Ugh. Can I, uh, can I talk about about three of my favorite characters? Of Look, course. go on, go on. I love Billy Butcher and uh, Huey as much as the next guy, and I love Mother's Milk. Like, one, he was one of the first characters that I actually liked immediately. I didn't have to think about it. But I grew to like Queen Maeve, despite her complex relationship with Homelander and her ex, and also Kimiko and Starlight. Starlight is my favorite, because obviously she's a devout Christian, she's a pure superhero, she's in it to save people, she's not in it for the limelight, or, you know, for the money or anything like that. She's genuinely there to help people, which is why she goes to... Hugh's side, uh, in, especially in season two, because in the first season she's lied to, so she's, you know, under this illusion of just, you know, anyway. So her thing is, she starts off her, she gives that whole speech at the um, evangelical gathering, right? Where she says there's no God. And- ah, yes, with stretchy gay man. Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Preacher. Yeah. Ezekiel. And then she outs the deep on, on their live. And then, which is which is exactly what you'd expect her to do, because it's the right thing to do. And then that scene, and when the deep's like somewhere else watching oh, it on TV, fuck. Yeah. She's like, oh fuck, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that scene. But then by the end of season two, you see that her faith is coming back, but it's not the faith that she was told to believe. She was forced to believe when she was younger. She's she's starting to believe on her own. She's starting to have faith on her own. And I think that's a lot more powerful because what it speaks to is that she's the symbol of what it means to be a real hero, right? She's the biggest critic of heroism in the show, I think. And that's arguable. You guys could argue that it's Homelander or anyone else. But I think what she's trying to do is that she, and she's on a very difficult crusade of trying to prove that what it means to be good is to be sacrificial, is to literally give everything that you can and do what's right, including when A-Train had a heart attack and they could have just walked away and allowed him to die and, you know, prevented so many problems for themselves. They didn't. They didn't walk away. You know, Huey said, I can't do that. And Starlight called an ambulance. So they, they even saved someone who, from the outset, you meant to think he's not a good guy. But they saved him anyway. Yeah, because considering the whole story starts with Huey vowing to kill A-Train, I feel that was like right. a very poetic moment when he collapsed and Huey, like, did CPR on him and it was just... Yeah, yeah, that was, that was what, that's that's again the, the theme of redemption coming through. Right, and quickly Queen Maeve. So Queen Maeve, she also comes through, but she takes her time because she's she's punching up harder than Starlight is, I think, because she's in a position where she's far too entrenched in the culture than Starlight was. Starlight starts fighting immediately as she gets there, and even though Queen Maeve wrote that book, she has a harder time because she was in a relationship with Homelander. She probably believed in the Seven a lot more than Starlight did. I don't know what else she went through. But, you know, she eventually comes through, and I think that's great too. But I also like Kimiko. The only problem with Kimiko is, like, she goes on a killing spree as soon as she's released. But, you know, she she loves her brother, and she's trying to do what's right. And she fails. But even though she fails, she tries again. She doesn't completely give up. And I like that too. See, Kimiko's a bit of a wild card for me. I've never... I didn't really... I don't know. She always felt like a character that I wasn't entirely drawn into, but I kind of just grew into. You know what I mean? And yeah, I agree with that. I I think it was when uh, she had the fight with Black Noir, and Black Noir absolutely just demolished her. And Frenchie Black Noir sh- just kicks everyone's ass, and he doesn't even like show any real powers <laughs> other than just I'm strong. Not you, Noir. <laughs> You've been great. Anyway, and then what brings him down? <laughs> Trina allergy. Honest to God, I, I'm not. I'm not gonna bring up. I'm not gonna bring up the comics because they're not like the entirety. Like they're not 
as good as the show, in my opinion. I like Garth what Ennis. What do you even know? Have you read them? Yeah, I, I know, know I know, have. I know who he is. I don't know if they're, like, gonna go okay. the same route, but... I love okay. Garth Ennis. If you haven't checked out Garth Ennis' work, I recommend you check out the graphic novel Sarah. Amazing wartime piece by, by Garth Ennis. But, you know, uh, what was I gonna say? Yeah, when Kimiko finally gets sliced and diced by Black Noir in French, she kind of goes there and, like... I, I really thought she was gonna die, and she, when she came back, I was like, okay, there's there's actually some hope and, like, some further development for this character, and then in season two, when her brother shows up, that's a pretty, that's where she finally starts coming into her own, I feel like. But yeah, man, I agree with both your, I agree with um, all three of your choices as uh, your favorite characters, and I can't wait to see how, because I feel like in the future, in season three, that's gonna be the opposition against Homelander. That's gonna be the people who are just fighting back against an even more deranged and even more homicidal Homelander. I mean, yeah, no, that's like his 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 arc is literally one of spiraling. There's no, mm-hmm. he's not ever coming back from like the setup he's been given, which is go spiral harder and harder into like depravity and insanity as a as the character with the ultimate powers in the universe. Yeah, and at the end of the day. We all, I at least I imagine that the whole world will see Homelander for what he truly is because he will simply unmask himself. Mm. Oh, yeah, no, like he's not, he's literally incapable of staying like this forever because you can see it. Like every time he has one of those delusions of like, I just, ah, what I would do, you know, like if if I could just fucking let it all out. Like, yeah, of course he's gonna. He's just, he's always like that one like bit from snapping, that one annoyance or that one like final person doing something that he's really not a fan of you know just ah oh, yeah. he's always like on the edge and that's what makes him like terrifying are, yeah, we, are we gonna talk about head popping woman because that's right be... yeah victoria uh, newman <laughs> I, that, was... that to me is the only story line thing that i haven't really cared for as a twist yeah. i wanted it to be mm. someone else someone who we could right. have actually guessed as early as season one where the first head pops because that would have just made it IMO more interesting Wait, with the way it? it's like set up. Who, who, who's the first one who pops? I don't think it was in season one. Yes, that's what I'm saying, you idiot. Oh, I oh, wish oh. it had been someone oh. so that you could actually have figured it out naturally and not being like, oh, it's the person they introduced because just they, now. They throw you off with that inmate who's released after the breaking into the clinic, right? I never bought that, though. People were just right, jumping no. on the bandwagon because, like, oh, right. she can make things explode. I'm like, yeah, but not... <laughs> look at her. She fucking makes the whole thing explode. It's not fucking right. Ed. <laughs> right. She clearly has, like, zero control over her weird... Freaky ass powers. Yeah, but let's talk about the giant penisman. Let's talk about, <laughs> oh my God. Let's talk about when Mother's Milk just gets strangled by a massive dong, and he's like, "What the fuck was that?" Hey, mm, tell Butcher about the giant penis around you. My favorite line, Frenchie. Yeah, that's my favorite line from that scene. Oh, I do, but that's what I mean. That's that's typical male friendship. Like I would expect if you if you had a giant penis around you, like you would tell me. Of course, of course, you know. Course. <laughs> it was it was so funny it jesus was. christ that entire like oh my god i've obviously covered the whole ideological perspective of the boys with what homelander symbolizes what stormfront symbolizes i've right. covered that in to death in my in my analysis of this show all the way back in episode four thinking inside the box wow. well, go check it out mm. if you haven't where we talked yeah, about the boys and i went on a whole i went on a whole 10 minute tirade about how homelander is a uh, neo-nazism and how stormfront is traditional nazism and how they together make like the new face of america but you know 
Joe Biden's president now, so we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> we move on, anyway. Do we want to talk about Billy's wife and the fact that after all that effort, he went into saving her and getting her back, even though he fought for like eight episodes that she was dead. She dies anyway. I mean, he deserves it. Oof. All I have to say about that. That's my whole idea of him being irredeemable. And he also gives up his son. Well, not his son. He also gives up the, the, the child. Which son. He, yeah. yeah. He also gives him up and he continues down his spiral of just being the lonely badass who will fight until death. And, you know, yeah, he didn't deserve to... He doesn't deserve a happily ever after, in my opinion. Just like Homelander doesn't. And if, at least in the comics, Homelander... Spoilers. Him and Homelander absolutely fucking kill each other. I don't know if they're on course to do this in the show. But... Yeah, no, I didn't feel... I felt sorry for her, because her life was quite sad. Yeah. I obviously feel sorry yeah. for Ryan. But I think that is Butch's absolute... That's his, that's his albatross, man. That's his albatross. Right. You've you've gone down on this path of violence, murder. Look, yep. look what he did to fucking Mesmer. Poor Mesmer, bro. Yes. Mesmer got absolutely fucked on that scene. Oh, yeah, no, Mesmer gets absolutely fucking yeah. wrecked. Like, That's... that entire scene, it's like, I also knew, like, the moment he betrayed them, I was like, oh, yeah, Mesmer's fucking dead. See, it's very ironic because the scene that's, the most violent scene that's made me cringe the most, it has not been by Homelander lasering someone or by a superhero killing someone. It's by a fucking human, our main character, absolutely slaughtering another superhero. Yeah, because so it's far my... more realistically... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in my opinion, he doesn't deserve it. I didn't feel sorry for him. He deserves it. I think, you see, I had hope, as much as I had for almost everyone else, for Billy to be redeemed up until that scene. Because I, I didn't see it coming. I didn't see Haley Joel Osment seeing dead people also being able to talk to them. That was, <laughs> that was a great callback. But when he starts to bash his head on on the uh, wash basin, that was it. I thought to myself, yeah, how is he ever going to come back from this? Yeah, man. So I feel sorry for Billy because... I'm sure he deserved better, but the fact that he he went full, you know, he learned everything from Mallory and he did he has no mercy, right? That's why I don't feel sorry for him, because he's seen this happen time and time again. Yeah. And he's seen the consequences of it happening time and time yeah. again, but he just refuses to change yeah. his course. So I can't I can't feel sorry about someone like that. I just can't. Because, you know, yeah. He won't forgive, he won't let go. And because of that. Not only will his wife Steph always be an albatross around his neck, as well as the child out of wedlock mm-hmm. that he has, but also Homelander. Yeah, one hundred percent. He's always going to haunt him. And I can't wait for their meeting in season three, which is bound to happen, in my opinion. And right, as, yeah. as the previous two have been highlights, I hope this one is a highlight as well. But yeah, do we have anything else to add? I'm pretty much finished on my boys. <laughs> I just want to thank uh, Lawrence first, who first saw it and lobbied me to watch it, then you. Yeah. Yeah, I pretty much, like, this is one of those yeah. Lawrence cases where I forced everyone I knew to watch this fucking show, because I was like, yo, you guys are fucking stupid, please watch this show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to talk to about. It was actually the first one of many Lawrence recommendations, so... Yeah. It's, it's, it's also like, when, when one of these comes out and all these amazing memes come with it, it's like, I need I need to be able to send these memes to someone. <laughs> someone needs to understand the Frenchie and fucking Lamplight are looking at each other. <laughs> <laughs> can't just oh be me God. yeah so thank you th- thank you guys for uh convincing me to watch this and also convincing me to watch another thing that we should soon talk about hopefully in an upcoming episode hell Whoa. yeah what, what could that be building up suspension i see 
Mm. Wink, wink. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> but yeah, uh, thank you guys for checking us out. As always, uh, this has been Faffing with Friends. If you guys care for some amazing music reviews and some vinyl reviews, please do check me out at iVinyls. It is a wonderful blog where I review music that I love. And um, when these uh, episodes are coming out, hopefully reviews will be accompanying them. So thank you very much for that. And this has been Avilo. This has been Lawrence also known as the closest thing to Homelander ever. So. <laughs> Be afraid, people. Be afraid. <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> and this has been Joe. Thank you for listening to us. Tell your friend, tell your, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your cousin Randy <laughs> to listen to us and subscribe. Ring the bell. You know bell. what to do. Ring, Ring the, the bell. bell. <laughs> Ring the bell. We'll be back. We'll be back. Don't worry. We'll be back. See Take ya. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.